This is CNT Talk. Every week, two friends debate the issues of the ages as we agree to disagree. It's never politically correct, but it's always entertaining. Join us tonight so you can sound knowledgeable at work tomorrow. We're smacking you upside the head with a hammer of truth. Welcome to the show. Hello, 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 2021, and it just feels like a continuation of 2020, ratcheted up a few degrees. Tony, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. It seems like it's been a while. It has been a while. I think there was a demolition derby thing you were involved with. Um, That's right. And there was a runoff election in Georgia, and it, something happened on Wednesday. I can't remember exactly what. Maybe we'll get into it. Oh, and, and last night. Um, Tony was nice enough to let me know that Ohio State will be happy for another four years. Yeah, that's so maybe we should before we jump into the, uh, you know, all of the political insanity, I think we we should do a few little sports uh, snippets to begin. So I texted Chad because I'm I don't really care about Michigan football at all, but I follow college football. And so I was on ESPN and I see this very odd, uh, you know, headline on their list of sort of trending stuff it says michigan extends jim harbaugh contract through 2025 and i thought to myself if i was a michigan fan who actually cared about michigan football i'd be i don't know a bit perplexed maybe apoplectic at what what the heck chad what can you explain that well you went two different directions perplexed and apoplectic <laughs> it's quite a range you've given us well I'm, I'm giving you the range of the let's say the more sober-minded michigan fan or perhaps someone like yourself who wanted to kick the cat I, I i just what is the thinking well i i here's my thought i, I don't know anything inside obviously but my thought is who do we get to replace him at that age-old question is there somebody out there who's a bigger draw that we can actually get and that we can actually afford to get? Now, Jim Harbaugh was being paid $9 million a year. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure you can afford somebody since wow. I don't think you're going to be paying most people unless you're going to get Urban Meyer, who ain't going to Michigan, right? So in other words, they've got plenty of money. My bigger question is, okay, it's covid whatever it's kind of a bizarro season why do you extend him for five years or he he has another year left on his car okay so four years he hasn't beaten ohio state yeah. they've clearly been underperforming why wouldn't you say you're getting a two-year re now of course both sides have to discuss this and maybe harbaugh wouldn't have accepted a you know a a lesser amount of years added on but it seems like you're rewarding this guy with a four-year extension who you are paying lavishly for let's be honest underperforming since he has got there they're not terrible but for what you're paying that guy and the reason you brought him in which is to win the big 10 and to beat ohio state and to make the college football playoff he has done none of that you are correct. According to sources, the contract is for less money per year with incentives. So I don't know how much less. It's not been reported as to how much less. Uh, the four years may be good for recruiting because if you do a one one year extension, that really doesn't get you recruiting. Uh, to your point, if you're a Penn State fan or you're an Ohio State fan, you're thrilled. If you're a Michigan State fan, you're thrilled. 
because he Michigan State has owned Michigan. Ohio State, as you said, they haven't even they've gotten close once in his entire tenure there in six years. Uh, they would not have beaten him this year. So I, I don't. I'm flabbergasted that they didn't just cut the cord and say let's go. Let, let, let's anybody else. But they again, remember they tried Brady Hoke, Rich Rodriguez. They tried other lesser known or non Michigan people, and they didn't get anywhere. So Harbaugh has made them outside of this year somewhat respectable in the national scene, but he's not hes not a top-tier coach, or at least the program has not been a top-tier program since he's arrived. Now, he didn't have a great thing to start with with Brady Hoke, but I got to believe there's there's got to be somebody out there who's ready and able to take on this role and make it something special. I, I get tired of the incestuousness of, well, they're, they're a Michigan person or they're an Ohio State person or they played here or they, they're connected to some... I don't care about that. I care about you actually winning. And I haven't seen the wins. I, I told, told said this before on the program and said it to you personally. I don't care if you go 0 and 11 as long as you beat Ohio State. But you can go 10 and 0 and lose to Ohio State, and it's not a good year. It, it, it's just not a good year. The problem. Well, the, I guess the other thing is that Harbaugh's main. Well, a couple of things. Yes, he's a good coach, but he was also supposed to be the recruiting magician, right? Jim Harbaugh was going to bring in the five-star guys at the skill position players. Now, look, they've had a lot of talented guys. Their defense has been generally very good, although, of course, their defensive coordinator was just fired. Uh, but they haven't competed <laughs> in the recruiting realm at the level of Ohio State. Now, you don't have to equal Ohio State because arguably Alabama and Ohio State throw in Clemson are probably the best three recruiting schools in the country, give or take every year. Some other SEC teams maybe, but you should be consistently in the top five. I don't again, I don't track Michigan's you know recruiting rankings every year. I don't know what their incoming class looks like, but the bottom line is I don't think they've been consistently at that level. And the other thing is the guy who's supposed to be the quarterback whisperer has never brought in the sort of franchise. I know it's college franchise signal caller. That is going to be what you need to get you to the promised land. So it's not that he's a bad coach. He's obviously a very good coach and the program has been successful, but not at the level that they expect based on his salary and his reputation. And here's the thing. The trajectory is not good, <laughs> meaning it's not as if you've sort of been incrementally building towards something better each year. It's sort of actually he started out better and now it's kind of been stagnation or perhaps backsliding. So where is the program going? I don't know. It, it's not going anywhere. And I would contend you can say Ohio State's on a different level. That's why he was brought here. Regardless of whether it's a fair assessment, you were brought here to beat Ohio State and win the Big Ten. He is not if you can't beat Ohio State, you cannot win the Big Ten at this level. And you are you're a failure. Now you can win every other game and lose to Ohio State and not win the Big Ten. And you can say anywhere else that might be acceptable. Now, is that a realistic expectation for Michigan fans? Probably not, because right now they're not getting the recruits. They're not getting the talent that they need. And that's back to your point about the money, which is 
Okay, if your expectation is we want to beat Ohio State, we want to be a consistent top 10 team, we want to contend for championships, how many years has he been there now? Five, six? Six years. So they haven't really come close to any of those goals in six years. You can find 30 other guys who can come in there for four million bucks a year and go eight and four. At Michigan, okay, because that's essentially what Harbaugh's been doing. Yeah, I think he had a couple seasons they were ten and two, but nine and three, eight and four, second in the Big Ten. You go play for a bowl game. There's a whole bunch of coaches out there that can do that at that school with with their talent base and their ability to recruit and their tradition without paying them almost ten million dollars a year. I think sometimes we get conf- much like the Democrats. You believe if you spend more, you get more. And I don't believe that's necessarily true because I've said this from the beginning. Jim Harbaugh has won nothing ever at any level. He has not been the top guy as a player, as a coach, anywhere else. Now, he's made it to a Super Bowl as an NFL coach, but they lost. He's won games at San Diego State. He's won games at Stanford. He rubbed Pete Carroll's nose in it when he was at USC, but he hasn't won anything. So, at what point do you say, okay, you challenge, you're the yippy little dog barking at my heels, but you don't actually win, so why would we even think to offer you $9 million a year when you haven't earned $9 million a year? Right. Dabo's, Dabo's got two national championships, has played in the last, well, other than this year, the last four. Urban Meyer has three. Nick Saban has, what, seven? I don't know, six at Alabama, one at LSU. And that's that is the group that yes. he's being paid like yes. he doesn't belong in that group. No, I agree. I agree. And I think you can, you're right. You can bring somebody in, pay, you pay them less and get the same level. So I think you need to separate how much you're paying. That's, that's a contractual obligation. You're stupid to have done. You didn't need to pay him $9 million a year. Now, maybe you thought you need to pay him $9 million to get him. And maybe you did. And maybe you didn't, but I don't think as a, an athletic director and as a university, you needed to pay him $9 million a year. I don't think that was, a, a smart decision at any point. Uh, if you've got seven national championships like Nick Saban, maybe you can command $9 million a year, but you've got nothing at any level as a player and or coach. Why would I pay you $9 million a year? What have you done in your history that says you're worth $9 million a year? Cause we always pay on what you did, not what you're going to do. And you're dealing with a guy who historically, because of his very, very bizarro, hyper intense personality has, a history of wearing out his welcome. You you can't be around that guy for four, five, six years. That's what happened with the 49ers. I mean, he's been dining out on that Super Bowl run for a while, but that thing imploded because management just got sick of dealing with Jim Harbaugh. And so you're dealing with a personality that, okay, kind of burns bridges, can only take this for so long. And of course, it's easier to take when you're actually winning at the highest level. So yeah. I'm just not sure how it makes sense. You've had a six year sample size. Mm-hmm. There's in my view, there's no reason to think that suddenly something is going to change. It's going to allow Jim Harbaugh to get your program where apparently everyone thinks it should be. So why wouldn't you think about going in another direction? I don't know. It just seemed very odd to me from somebody who only, you know, from the outside pays basic vague attention to what's going on at Michigan just seems strange. Completely agree with you. Don't disagree in anything you're saying. And 
I, I do not understand. I was hoping they would say he's moved on. I mean, they haven't played a game since late November because of COVID and other things. What took so long? What really took so long? I don't know. All right. Well, so one other quick football thing before we launch into more. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to say serious or, or like tragic comic um, circumstances. So uh, my team, my adopted team, the Colts, uh, they're my adopted team because Philip Rivers is their quarterback and I want Philip Rivers to win a Super Bowl. And sadly, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, they played the Bills today in the first wild card game, and it was actually a really good game. In fact, if you had told me before the game that the Colts would keep the game to a three point down to the wire loss, I actually would have thought they must have played pretty well. And they did. In fact, the Colts should have won this game against the team that I believe was the hottest team in the NFL going into the playoffs who are really good. And I don't, I'm not going to rehash the whole game. Uh, there's a bunch of things that went on. Here's the one thing I wanted to talk about. Did you watch the game, by the way? I did. I don't know if you noticed this. Um, the game came down to the wire. The Colts had the ball. They were trying to drive for the tying field goal. They were out of timeouts because Frank Reich stupidly wasted two of them challenging plays that he shouldn't have. But nevertheless, here's one thing that happened. I don't know if you saw this. And I am stupefied that, that this has not been addressed. People aren't screaming about this. Philip Rivers on fourth down completed a pass to Zach Pascal to extend a drive. It was a clutch catch and throw about 20 yards. It put them, I think, on, let's say, right around midfield, maybe the 45-yard line. They were still out of field goal range. Pascal caught the ball, and then it was dicey as to whether or not he then tried to get up and basically fumbled, and the Bills recovered it. The call on the field was it was a completed pass. So. In, in real time, what happens next is the Colts then get up to the line, snap it. Rivers actually throws another pass, and it's complete, but they stop play because Sean McDermott, the Bills coach, has called a timeout because he wants to review the preceding catch or fumble. And by the way, if it's reversed and it's a fumble, the game is over. There was like, there was I don't know, like 28 seconds left. Yeah. Here's what happens, though. At the time that Rivers throws the next pass there are 19 seconds on the game clock that play took about five seconds so it went down to 14 the the officials mull over the replays they say call stands the prior play it was a completion they never put the five seconds back on the game clock chad That that is incredible to me. Number one, that the Colts coaching staff did not blow a gasket. I mean, Chad, at that stage of the game, five seconds not being on the game clock is an eternity. And so what wound up happening is because the Colts had no timeouts, they can't throw the ball down the middle of the field. So now they're trying to hit these incredibly dicey sideline throws, which the Bills know where they have to throw the ball. And Rivers gets two more throws. One he has to throw away because it would have been picked. Another one he tries to complete. He can't. Then it's down to like four seconds and he has to throw a Hail Mary. And I'm thinking to myself, how is it possible that the NFL and that officiating crew could have allowed five seconds? Because if they have 19 seconds instead of 14 seconds, you can throw the ball 
down the middle of the field, run up and spike it. I, did you notice that? I did. And I've seen that before, not that exact five seconds, but I've seen that before where they'll, they'll have a review of a play and the play got extended in real time. And they don't put, the, they don't always put the time back on it. I'm not sure exactly why that is. They say, well, it kind of got mumbled around, but you're right. If, if he well, was down when they said he was that, dead, that play that the clock ran off for, which they stopped, if there, once that's upheld, that play never happened. Correct. That play never happened. That play never happened to me. The rest yes. is in the kit and then recovery. Yes, I agree. I've seen that before. I don't, I, I kind of feel like they, they act like it's in a very exact thing, but it really isn't. It's kind of a, eh, you know, like I, I was watching in the first half of the Rams game and the timing was all messed up and, you know, Goff throws the ball way out of bounds and it's like, well, they're going to stop the clock. A mystery second was added there at the end of the half. Nobody knows exactly why he throws it up and they're not sure if that one second is going to come off or the, the uh, Seahawks are going to get the ball. It's a little strange. I th I think clock management, some, sometimes a heavy hand, sometimes it's a light hand. It's, I, I don't you just can't. I'm sorry. And again, I'm not, by the way, I'm not saying this is the reason that the Colts lost the game. The Colts lost the game because they missed too many opportunities, yeah. including they missed a 33 yard field goal. They, Philip Rivers, who actually played very well in the game, but he had one throw that he'll want back where he was on his back foot. They went on, they went for it on fourth down in the first half, and he just barely overthrew Michael Pittman in the back of the end zone. That should have been a touchdown. Um, there was a bunch of other stuff, including this incredibly blockheaded play by Ture where the bills were driving at the end of the first half and they were had a third down. Actually it was fourth down. Everyone knew they weren't going to go for it. And for whatever reason, as it's obvious that Josh Allen is just waiting, you know, trying to do a hard count Ture just bolts off sides, gives them a first down and they scored a touchdown. So they made a lot of minor mistakes that actually turned out to be very big deals in the course of the game. But, Chad, you can't get that wrong. It's an NFL playoff game. You have 20 seconds left. The game is in the balance. You can't just sort of like, oh, five seconds just went into the Bermuda Triangle. Oh, well. Like, I, if you listen, I know you don't listen to our show, but I did a little quick rundown on the Steelers between our last shows. I have not felt that the officiating has been up to par this year um, in a lot of games, and I feel like there's a lot of, random things that happen that don't make any sense. Uh, I don't have an explanation just to touch on yours thing a little bit. Josh Allen. I love that pass where he's falling away, going to the ground and he hits the tight end in the corner of the end zone. It looked like he's throwing it away and there was no chance. I was, I think Josh Allen looks really good. I mean, I'm, Oh, he he's ridiculously good. And he's, he's a nightmare because honestly, he made the Colts defense played very, very well. That's a team that had been averaging around 40 points a game. They only got 27 and a couple of the drives. The only reason they actually made it down the field is because Josh Allen ran out of the pocket and made these absurd sideline completions, two of which in, in real time. And even on review, it was like 50, 50, whether they even caught the ball, but, that's the nightmare of a guy like that is he can extend plays and extend plays. And then he has this cannon of an arm so he can throw the ball. It's very much like Mahomes, except Allen is much bigger. Yeah. He, he look he's six, five, two thirty ish. So he's basically John, a larger version of John Elway running around out there. 
Um, I again, I think the Colts may have played down to the wire against a team that's going to be in the Super Bowl. I think there's a very good chance of that. We won't talk about the Steelers because they play the Brown Stains tomorrow, and we'll see if they can. Did you say they play the Brown Stinks tomorrow? Brown Stains, Brown Stains. Oh, okay, I get it. Yeah, which one? The Steelers. Uh, the Steelers will win that game, and then and then they will lose, and then we will have a show where you can rant about Mike Tomlin again. Yeah, well, we'll see about that. Let's get into what everybody came here. I know we've got a. a How do you know what they came here for, Chad? Oh, I just have a guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's just say I know some of our audience members, and uh, I know what they're coming in for. Um, so this week was interesting. We knew coming into this week, uh, it was the certification was going to be on Wednesday for Biden and Harris for the election with the Electoral College, Electoral College certification of the votes. Um, we also knew that Georgia had the runoff because, to remind everybody, in Georgia, when you have a senatorial race, the person who wins has to get at least 50% of the vote or there's a runoff. So none of the or neither of the two candidates for or four candidates, I guess, for Senate in Georgia uh, were at 50 percent. So the vote was on Tuesday. And um, yeah, let's just say Joe Biden said, I need uh, Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff in the Senate. And miraculously, he got what he asked for. Uh, Your thoughts on the Georgia runoff? Let's start there. Well, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, I, I had said after the presidential election, why would anyone think that anything different was going to happen in Georgia? And, and let's not even talk about whether there was any fraud in the Senate election. I, let's put it this way. I'm convinced there was fraud in the presidential election in Georgia. I see no reason. Hey, Let's not stop what's working, that that wouldn't have occurred at some level. And once again, these were incredibly close results. But let's not even let's not even talk about that. Fine. The Georgia election uh, troubling in many, many ways, possibly the most troubling. And we're going to talk a little bit more about our friend's characterization of Raphael Warnock as a Baptist minister, which I guess is technically correct. He may be. Now, this is a very hotly contested prize. He may be the single most radical lunatic who has ever been in the Senate. And remember, that's a cage match between him and Maisie Hirono. And she, uh, on the kook meter is already way out there. But Raphael, I think he gets the belt. He gets the belt. He hasn't even been seated yet. So the fact that this guy is going to be a senator, and once again, the media running interference for him. So all the stories uh, about, you know, his child camp, his youth camp, where there was alleged child abuse. Do I know what happened? Don't know, but I can guess, guess what? If that had been the Republican, Don Lemon would have been hyperventilating for three weeks about these allegations, right? That was buried. His his wife about the incident with his car, like trying to run her over with the car. Again, do I know what went on there? I don't know. All I can tell you is it would have been the lead story for two weeks. We don't talk about it. And then even the stuff this guy says from the pulpit, raging anti-Semite. You can't be a Christian if you're in the military. He makes Jeremiah Wright look like Jerry Falwell. And this guy is going to be in the Senate. 
Woohoo! Well, <laughs> so I, so nobody else has to. I listened to his 12 minutes on the PBS News Hour um, that our friend put up, and he, with the caption of moral leadership. <laughs> I, I, I mean, you you have to laugh. You you can do nothing except laugh. I turned to my wife and I said, "Now listen to this." And she listened to it with me. She goes, "Well, that doesn't sound so bad." I said, "Yeah, because that's not what anything he believes. Moral leadership and Raphael Warnock are not the same. Should not be in the same sentence unless there's a not in between." Well, here, here's just a question. Yeah. Uh, Baptist minister number one, stridently pro-abortion. Hmm. That doesn't sound like many. Now, I understand that there's sort of a whole new breed of progressive theology, but most Baptist ministers not out there with Planned Parenthood saying we want ninth, tri you know, third trimester abortions. That seems to be somewhat unscriptural to me. Number two, ardent, zealous supporter of every aspect of the LGBT trans agenda. Let's not talk about that in policy terms. Let's talk about that as a quote unquote Baptist minister. Also, doesn't seem to be biblical to me whether or not you think Baptist ministers are bigots. If you're going to call yourself one, that doesn't really seem to work. No. Uh, but w our friend, who is an evangelical Christian, somehow manages to not talk about any of that and claim it's really good that we have a Baptist minister in the Senate. You know what? You might as well call the guy from the Westboro Baptist Church, whoever that lunatic is, right? The people that go to pe the military service, people's funerals and protest. You might as well say that guy is, you know, um, a mainline Protestant. It, it, it's a label that has nothing to do with the content of this guy's character or the substance of his theology. So I, I, I kind of get a kick out every time uh, they say pastor of Ebenezer Baptist Church, the same church that Martin Luther King Jr. preached at, to which I reply, you know, I've been in a two different churches that George Washington attended. So it, just because you are the pastor at a church from a, someone from 50 years ago, what does that mean? So what? Who cares? John Lewis attended there. Okay, that doesn't right. make it better. Uh, John Lewis marched with Martin Luther King Jr. Okay, you know, uh, you talked about Jeremiah Wright. Warnock likes Jeremiah Wright. He likes what he said. But funnily, funnily, listen to me, Oprah and Obama distanced themselves from Jeremiah Wright. So if you got to go. Well, only, only out of political necessity. Whatever the reason, they still distance themselves from Jeremiah Wright. And yet we're supposed to hold up this gentleman as a great, great person. He spoke about it's a great thing that a black man who was 11 of 12 children, first one to go to college. I, I hate hearing the, the background like it matters, like it makes any difference as to whether or not you're going to be a good leader in, in the Senate is that you were 11 of 12 children, first child in your family to go to college. What does that have to do with anything? It has nothing to do with anything. But I get tired of hearing about that. But he was so proud that a black man, first black senator from, from Georgia, and a Jewish man, ironically, he's an anti-Semite, 
but he's proud that he's going to go with a, George, a, a Jewish man, John Ossoff. Sure. Right. Me. He, he's proud for he's proud for the cameras. Again, all I want is for proud Raphael Warnock to stand up and give people chapter and verse on what he actually believes. Yeah. So I don't I ain't really down with that capitalism thing. I'm pro abortion. I'm radically pro LGBT. Uh, I'm also a Baptist minister. Maybe that's causing some cognitive dissonance. I don't know. He won't say that because they need to lie about who he is. And this is what they have to do over and over. Ossoff is basically Beto on steroids, right? So he, look, he's just a garden variety. I'm to the left of Elizabeth Warren. Great. Um, But Warnock is is in his own special category. And it is nauseating that this guy is going to be in the U.S. Senate. And people can say what they want about pick your most hated Republican senator. This isn't about the fact, to me, that obviously I'm not going to agree with anybody who is a progressive. Mm-hmm. That's not really what I'm talking about. He is holding himself out as a Christian minister and teaches things that are antithetical in the extreme to everything that the Bible says. So, and you want to say, well, Donald Trump says he's a Christian and he's a horrible man. Donald Trump is not a minister. He's not a Baptist minister. So you can rail and bang on Donald Trump all you want. I don't think Donald Trump is a Christian. I've never said that he is. I've never said that he's a great moral leader. We have our friend saying this dude is from a Christian perspective, someone we should be cheering for as he enters the Senate. It is absurd. It is. It is. So we wake up Wednesday morning. We've got two senators from Georgia. That means the Senate is now 50-50 with Kamala Harris uh, as a tiebreaker. All our hopes now reign with uh, Joe Manchin, which. Oh, well, doesn't that make you feel just awesome? It does not. (laughs) Steel, steel spined Joe Manchin. Yes. Uh, So I fully expect Joe Manchin to cave and crumble like the folding chair that I think they will have Joe under the thumb screws on the waterboard because remember he made a big deal in the lead up to this election saying I'm going to tell you right now and my word is stronger than oak that I will not support court packing. I will not support. I'm not sure if he talked about making uh, Puerto Rico and D.C. He basically said, I will stand no. in the breach. Hmm? Said he wouldn't do the uh, he wouldn't get rid of the filibuster. Legislative filibuster right now. Um, are you going to go to Vegas and put the uh, family mortgage on that one, Chad? No, no, I'm not. Uh, the, the left. I have to give them credit. The Democratic Party gets the minions in line. And if you believe that Joe Manchin is going to hold out against that machine when they have the ring of power now fully in their grasp, it ain't going to happen. The chances of him thwarting that are about negative four. Yeah, well, (laughs) so that's where if you have any hopes of a... um less green future that's where they lie so i am sure there are people at your church thrilled that now the democrats are fully ascended and can now push through their complete agenda of stupidity and and uh, uh destruction of this country so 
Wednesday, Tuesday night, there was a rally in, in DC Wednesday, the rally continued. Donald Trump decided to, I haven't seen a rally in a, in a microphone. I didn't like, let me go over there and speak and shoot off my harebrained schemes. Now I, I want to say this up front. You might or might not agree with this. I, I don't care what anybody else says. I think there was fraud. I think there was in, in, in the general election in, in November, I think there was fraud. I think there was a lot of irregularities. I think they should be examined closely. I think the fact that it couldn't be proven doesn't mean it didn't happen. And I don't, I don't call that a conspiracy theory because I think fraud happens constantly. But I think in this election, what I saw, what I heard, what I felt tells me something was not correct. And it should have been dealt with prior to the election. It's really hard, as we talked about before. It's really hard after the election to really make that change. So Donald Trump using his legal maneuvers to try to get something. Once the Electoral College votes, that's it. I don't really care what you say after that. The challenging of the votes in the Senate and the House, okay, whatever. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't a path to overturn the election and it wasn't a constitutional crisis because they have the right to do that. That is built into the constitution, built into the rules of the Senate. And the- By the way, the Democrats have done that three times in the last 20 years. I think that's the important point. It, Unprecedented, it has- except for the three times that we've done that. Yes. Including in 2004 when uh, uh, Bush beat Kerry. So the reality is that wasn't going to change anything. Donald Trump gets up on the podium and as he gets carried away in the moment, as he always seems to, he just kind of goes with the flow and it's like, I'm going to march with you. Well, maybe I will, maybe I won't, but we need to march down to the Capitol and let them know how we feel. Now, this is in the backdrop of six months of marching, protesting, mostly peaceful. I don't know if you've noticed or not. That six months. Six months of that. Year. Well, year. Two years. What, what I've heard in the news media the last two days is peaceful protests for the last six months. Six months right. ago, last six over six months has been mostly peaceful. Now they were all peaceful. Forget the fact that places were burning and buildings were being destroyed and federal courthouse and, and police and everything. None of that matters. It's all down the memory hole, as you like to say. So Trump gets them riled up. I won't say in sight. I think he riled them up. He got them foaming at the mouth. I don't think it took much. If you saw some of the pictures and you saw some of the video, I don't know how some of these people were dressed. I think I saw a meme today. He said, uh, we couldn't we couldn't beat COVID, so we sent in Chewbacca in a bikini and the Duck Dynasty, and they destroyed the Capitol in two hours. They charged the Capitol, they went in, and they basically took over for a couple hours until somebody got shot. A woman got shot and killed by the Capitol Police. Another couple of police were injured. I think there's been four or five people that have died now from injuries or emergencies at the time. They finally cleared the place. There will be arrest, as there should be. There will be, you know, there's video of these people. I guess you, you must think that this is okay. I, I have never felt that protesting like this or rioting as this was should be allowed anywhere here or anywhere else. If you want to have a peaceful protest, that's up to you. You won't see me there. I won't be with you. But if that's what you'd like to do, fine. But when you take it in your own hands to cause damage and harm and effectively lawlessness, then you've lost any support I would have ever given you. And the BLM rallies and the and the Portland and Minneapolis and Seattle and DC and Philadelphia, forget it. No, no way, shape, or form do I condone any of that and never have. And unfortunately, our media 
did encouraged it, including the vice president elect who said, this is what, you know, this is, you should do more of this. And I think AOC even said, it's not supposed to make you comfortable. It's supposed to make you uncomfortable, which it all makes me uncomfortable. Now I don't, I guess technically it's seditious because it was the U S Capitol. I'm not sure if the building makes a difference, Mm. but maybe the rules are very difficult to determine. They're constantly in flux. What are your thoughts? Oh my, I have many thoughts, Chad, many, many thoughts. So first of all, let's maybe get the, the part out there that I suspect even the people that would listen to our podcast and projectile vomit would agree with, which is that, as you just said properly, all rioters who break the law should be in jail. Every single one of them, I don't care whether they're MAGA Nation or Antifa or the Symbionese Liberation Army, I don't care. Every single person that marauded through the Capitol building, breaking the law, use video technology, find them all, throw the book at them. This, of course, has been your and my position from the Mm get-go. Okay, that's point number one. Point number two, Donald Trump, even though, and this is important to say, did not endorse violent protest at any point in that speech. However, his behavior over the last month, even though you, I agree with you, I believe there was massive, oh, massive voter fraud. And it's not because I have a feeling in my gut about it. It's because there were over a thousand affidavits that were filed. There is direct evidence of ballot tampering. There is incredible amounts of evidence. Some people would say, well, Tony, how can you say that with your tinfoil hat? Because all the courts have thrown all this out. Well, Many of the courts have thrown them out on standing issues, meaning you don't even really get to bring this case or on procedural issues. The substance of those claims about altered ballots, late ballots, dead people voting, non-citizens of certain states voting, mathematically impossible vote tallies, all of that stuff has never been litigated on the substance. Why? Number one, sometimes because we have cowardly judges, but more importantly, there is no time. Those kind of cases will take months, if not years, to actually flesh out the evidence. So anyone who tells you this nonsense about the courts have thrown out every case, you're correct. The courts have said we are not going to entertain these lawsuits, but for the most part, there has never been an evidentiary reckoning of exactly what went on. So I say that meaning I fully believe that Donald Trump has a legitimate grievance. If if not, I won't say that we can prove that it flipped this election, but my oh my, the shenanigans that went on, if the tables had been turned, the media would be descending on this with battalions of investigative reporters and lawyers claiming this was the greatest fraud perpetrated in history. All that said to say this, Donald Trump needs to shut up and he should have shut up long before he did. And even though he did not endorse violence, the thing that bothered me the most about that rambling speech that he gave, he was attacking Mike Pence. If Mike Pence doesn't do this because he's my lackey, he's a bad guy. And he's attacking Ted Cruz. He's attacking the Supreme Court. 
right? The, the three justices that he actually put on there, they better do my bidding. <laughs> this is when Donald Trump is at his worst. He mm -hmm. thinks that everyone is his personal manservant and that their their allegiance is to him. That was him in his worst possible light. And what he has done now, he has given the hyena pack of the media. This is going to be what they frame as his entire presidency because they've they've lied about him incessantly now they actually have something legitimate to say which is this and of course they're still lying because they're saying that he incited violence no he didn't but his language was irresponsible he may have even cost the republicans georgia in the sense that he wouldn't shut up about this election stuff and my understanding is that republican turnout in georgia compared to the general election was down. Yeah. He simply can't help himself. And so this is the bad part of Donald Trump. Uh, you and I, good grief, for the last two years have been generally defending him in terms of his policies, in terms of how the left has just ruthlessly attacked him. But no, he what he was saying and doing in the run-up to what went on in the Capitol mostly disgraceful and he deserves to be castigated for it if not lied about in terms of what he actually said all right so one final point and i need to make this point so rioting bad has always been bad for us not so much for the other people and this is also this is what i want to talk about i refuse to be lectured by a bunch of hypocrites and Cretans who have spent, let, let's just do the Wayback Machine, okay, because we hear these term insurrection. Do you remember what went on the very day of Donald Trump's inauguration in D.C.? Mm -hmm. Remember what happened? Mm -hmm. All those riots. What was that? There was rioting. See, again, this is all down the memory hole. I encourage people, if you can still find it somewhere, that Google and Facebook and Twitter haven't suppressed it. Um, there was mass rioting in D.C. on the day of Donald Trump's inauguration. He hadn't even become Hitler yet. He yeah. was just Hitler in training. It was his first day on the job. There are photographs of downtown D.C. at night taken that day multiple fires burning, visible from the air. There were limousines firebombed. You can see this on the streets. There were over 20 police officers who were injured and sent to the hospital. There were mass clashes, violent clashes in the streets. Did these people, did our friend have a word to say about this is insurrection. These people are undermining, undermining the democratic process, our treasured capital. No, they had zero qualms about any of this. Or if they did, they chose to be quiet because these people, after all, were just seeking justice. We could go on. The Portland Federal Courthouse was under siege for over three weeks by gangs of Antifa members who were attempting to break into the doors, set it on fire, smashing windows, shooting commercial grade fireworks, shining lasers into the eyes of federal law enforcement officers trying to blind them. 
This went on for weeks. Did our friend and any of the commentary who are now so aghast at this behavior even mention this? No. We could go on and on and on. Seven different cities with mass riots, looting, burning, arson, assault, murder. We had an autonomous zone set up in a major American city for six blocks run by armed thugs and criminals. And these people called it a summer of love. And now they're going to clutch their pearls and they're going to tell us rioting is really bad and America's in a very bad way. You know what? It is. And it's not because of this riot. What do you think all of these rioters, I'm not excusing them. I want them in jail. But what do you think the message was that they received over the last year and a half watching all of these, quote, peaceful protests? Remember the CNN guy standing in front of a blazing inferno saying, well, uh, today, Anderson, it looks like it's mostly a lawn party. Uh, Well, they might be cooking s'mores behind me at the Target store that's immolated. Yeah. What do you think the lesson is? The lesson is when you're upset. And when things don't go your way, and when you're really, really mad, what you need to do to get out all your bad feelings is go down and burn the local deli to the ground. Maybe we should smash a few windows. Maybe we should assault a few diners. That's the message. So don't act surprised when the other people that you loathe because they don't share your political ideology tell themselves, hey, you know what? I guess this is okay. I'm really upset now, too, because I think Donald Trump's presidency was stolen. So I think I'm going to run through the Capitol. You're the people that started this. You're the people that enabled this. And claiming now that this is some right-wing phenomenon is the biggest, most gargantuan, disgusting lie. And I will not listen to these people retail that for another second. Amen. Not a women, just amen. Um, I I want to talk about a little, and I'll come back to it. But I want to talk about the um, the challenge on the on the verification of the election. Um, our friend, and I want to call him out by name because I'm so disgusted with his behavior. John Fia today published on his blog the names of 60 evangelicals who protested or didn't didn't certify the election, even after the riots, these 60, and he named them by name and then went through their bio. Well, I didn't even see this. Is, is this the court evangelicals or are these just? No. These are the representatives and senators. He called them out by name and said, these people voted to challenge the, the certification of the election. He called them out by name, where they're from and what they're, religious affiliation was because he said 60 of them are evangelicals he's keeping a list and he told people if you know more about this send it to my facebook or my twitter page so that we can keep a running list that is disgusting i am disgusted by this human being right now because you do not do this you you talk about the nazis and stalin and then you sit there and you start making a list and you make a public proclamation of you should let me know about these people so we can keep a list He's AOC Jr. He's just not nearly as attractive. I'm disgusted by this human being, and I can't believe that we shared the same same sermons together. We sat in the same church together, and this is how he's going to behave. 
Now, he doesn't have to agree with me politically. He doesn't have to agree with you politically. But right now, I'm not sure what he's trying to accomplish because all he talks about unity, but it's only on things he wants. He talks about Joe Biden being Captain Unity, but there is none. We are divisive. This country has been divided from its inception. And I'm, I'm tired of a historian who doesn't understand history. He's more of a prognosticator than he is a historian, at least in his blog posts. He, has, he does nothing about history. It's all about what's coming. And he's a political, he must be a poli-sci guy because he's not a historian in anything I've seen. And well, I wanna, I wanna let me just say, let me say this. I mean, he, clear, he is a historian, and I think he's, he's actually, in many ways, even though you and I have made it very clear that we disagree with almost everything that he now says, uh, he, he's a very gifted historian. But here's the thing about this list. I didn't even see that, okay? I, I, but his, one of his favorite tropes is to say, and he's not the only one, is that everything bad that happens, which they link to Donald Trump, and every evil act by some individual, his favorite thing to say is that anyone who supports Donald Trump is thereby responsible Okay, so he is he's made a cottage industry of claiming that everything COVID, for instance, repeatedly saying things like because most of the people who challenge mask wearing are evangelicals or her yucky conservatives. Therefore, people that are dying from COVID, that's really your responsibility, your direct responsibility. Okay, so he. He he draws this incredible line without any dots in between. You disagree with me politically and something bad happens. Well, that's on you. So here's the thing. When you now identify 60 people and make a list, as you said, just like AOC, just like Robert Reich. Remember, he wants to have a registry of crime thinkers or whatever, because here's the thing. He knows full well, or if he doesn't, he should. What are those lists used for by the left? People are doxxed. People are canceled at work. People are attacked. People are attacked physically. Their homes are graffitied. Their homes are threatened. If you think I'm exaggerating this, just pull this up. Look what's happened to people like Tucker Carlson. Th this goes on all the time. So the tactics of the left are you. we need names of these people so that we can go after them. Now, if he is going to play the game of saying even indirectly, your political support for certain issues and certain politicians makes you responsible for the bad things that people do, well, I'm going to be applying that to him. And so if any of these people suffer harm, I guess then John Fia is directly responsible for any consequences. And you know what? In this situation, he kind of is responsible for that because he's gone well beyond saying, oh, you know, if, if I was saying John Fee is responsible because he votes for Barack Obama, that's his argument, right? Anything, any crazy person who supports Barack Obama or let's use Bernie Sanders. Remember James Hodgkinson, the guy that attempted to assassinate basically the entire Republican congressional caucus and almost killed Steve Scalise. Now, if I was like our friend, I would immediately be able to say Bernie Sanders and anyone who voted for him is responsible for that heinous act. Well, that's absurd. The person that's responsible is James Hodgkinson, the crazy person who did that. But that would be John Fia's argument. But he's gone beyond that now and is calling people out individually. What does he hope is going to happen to those people? That's what I want to know. I, I hope all he wants is them to be 
elect somebody else elected in their position. But right, you, ostracized, but, fired from their job, shunned. What, what, yeah. what exactly is he accomplishing? And also, if it's this, give me further information. What should should we have the? Uh, should they be paraded through the streets and shamed? I don't. I don't know. Again, I don't. I don't understand where he's coming from. But it, all of it disgusts me because, to your point. If I vote for a candidate and that candidate does something I don't agree with, how am I responsible? Because if you listen to Joe Biden speak on Thursday, he said we should have no, because who Donald Trump is and he's a liar and every is that you can think of, we should have known that he would incite a group of people to come and storm the Capitol. You should have known that because this is who he is, although there's no precedent in American history, not previous to the founding of the country, because there was, but in, in the United States history, there is no precedent for this. And yet we should have just known. You should have just known because you voted for this man and you should have just known. And I, I reject that. I did not know. And I was not at the riot or the riot. I was not at the, the rally. You were not at the rally. Why should we have known that? And things done in your name are not you. If somebody says, I, you know, I want to do this, that, or the other thing, it's not my responsibility if they do it, to your point. I, I voted for a candidate. I chose not to vote for a different candidate. So does that mean because I didn't vote for Barack Obama twice that I get no benefit from anything that positively impacted my life, but I only get the negative because I didn't choose to vote for the light worker? Or because I voted for Donald Trump, therefore... I'm part of 75 million deplorables, and therefore I should be shunned, placed on a list, doxxed, harassed. Oh, I mean, if we want to play, if we want to play that game, I'm going to say, you know what? We should have known. We should have known that a party that tells America incessantly that every part of our government, our criminal justice system, and our society is corrupt and systemically racist, and continues to tell them like Joe Biden did African Americans that the opposing political party is going to quote put them all back in chains and tells them for 4 years based on no facts which proved to be a monumental hoax that the opposing party's president sitting president is actually a Russian spy who is engaged in treason against the country and all of his supporters are white supremacists Nazis and fascists so we should fully then expect that the people that they are telling these lies to, this slander to, are going to take to the streets and do things like burn down multiple city blocks of Seattle and Portland and Philadelphia and are going to attack and attempt to murder police and throw Molotov cocktails at them. We should have known that such an irresponsible and reckless party who foments this kind of hatred is going to create a national environment where rioting is normalized for all sides of the political spectrum. We should have known all of that. And therefore, John Fia and everyone who voted for those people is responsible for the two or three or $10 billion in property destruction and assault and murder that's occurred over the last two years of the Donald Trump presidency. Is that the game we're going to play? Because I'm more than happy to play it.
Yeah, you might be. I am not. I don't want to be down that road. My point is, I'm more than happy to do that. If that is the logic that you're going to extend, then I'm going to apply it to you. See how you like that analysis. And and you wouldn't. And I I, I think that as I sat there reading different articles today in prep for today for this call, I just got disgusted with all of it. I got disgusted with the now. Remember this: liars lie. Okay. I said this in, a couple months ago. I expect every politician without fail to lie to me unless I can prove otherwise. I expect that they are lying to me every opportunity they have to further their power grab at every turn. I do not expect Donald Trump to tell me the truth. I do not expect uh, Joe Biden to tell me the truth. I expect him to lie, lie, lie. Because at the highest levels of government, the only way that I can foresee everybody being able to do that is to lie. I do not. If you told people the truth, I don't think they would vote for you. So therefore, you would not get into power. And if you crave power, as Joe Biden has, as Kamala Harris has, as as Donald Trump has, then you're going to lie. You're going to tell people what they want to hear. Hillary Clinton did it. She would go to one place and tell you how everything was and then she'd go when she didn't think anybody was listening and she'd call you a basket of deplorables so they they tell you what you need to hear to get your vote they do not care about you that's politicians in my view that's i'm not speaking for tony on this but in my view i get tired of this i get i don't love politics i know we do a show that's mostly centered around politics i don't love politics i wish we could go wake up every morning and go okay i disagree with my neighbor but he's not going to try to run me over with his car because we disagree or vice versa. We just disagree. I disagree with how to get somewhere. You know, when you, when you take a car drive, car ride with your family, there's probably multiple ways to get to your destination. Whoever's driving tends to be the person who picks the, which way you want to go, but there's multiple ways to get there. That's how I wish politics was. Well, that's, you know, that's actually, a, that's a very good point because, and you're right. People say, what do you mean you don't care about politics? It's all you two ever blather on about is politics. Okay, well, but here's the thing. I agree with you. I don't want politics constantly intruding in my daily life. And I don't think most Americans, certainly not most Americans who are not activist progressives, I don't I don't want to hear politics when I sit down to watch a movie or a sporting event, when I turn on ESPN. But unfortunately, and and this is, I'm sorry, almost exclusively the province of the political left, these people are making it impossible to live in a manner in which politics does not dominate every aspect of your life because you are going to be, as the phrase goes, made to care. What, For instance, just a perfect example, last day or two, the House under Nancy Pelosi um, adopted new operating rules or whatever they're called, and one of them is that in the House, because it's exquisitely woke and socially just, all that good stuff, there is no more using the word Get this, no more father. Do you see this? No more mother, no sons, no daughters. Mm-hmm. Um, because, of course, that's offensive to one of the 79 different genders in the world. Now, you, this is kind of trivial, right? You laugh about it. But no. this is my point, is that every crevice of our culture, these people are insisting they're in your face. It used to be, 
we need you to tolerate alternative views. Well, guess what? That's what pluralism is about. America, and certainly Christians, should be willing, even though we obviously have our faith, which does not allow itself, for instance, to say, well, you know what? We accept polytheism, monotheism. No, no, no. We have a very specific faith that says we believe that Jesus Christ came to earth, fully God, took the form of a man, went to the cross, lived a perfect life, died, and rose again, and in so doing, saved all of us from our depravity and our sins so that we can have eternal communion and be in the presence of the triune God. That's what we believe. So, but we're not called to tell other people who don't believe that, well, you're to be shunned. I'm going to force you to accept what what we believe. No, that's actually the opposite of the gospel. That doesn't work. And that's also why God, in his wisdom, didn't make us into these tiny automatons and say, as he could have, I am going to make you robots who worship me. He gave us the free will to decide that for ourselves. My point is, the left does not accept that. It went from tolerance to acceptance to now you must stand and applaud our social engineering. And if you don't, remember, silence is violence. Part of this whole Orwellian change of language, violence is not violence, but silence is. So everywhere you go, in your workplace, on your social media, look what just happened with Google and Facebook, they're now moving with incredible swiftness to lockdown, to silence, to basically move out of the public square and the public arena for debate any viewpoints that they don't want. So what I'm saying is your point is well taken. There is a portion of America, 50% of America, that would love to go forward with our daily lives and our families and our churches and our jobs and our communities without having to constantly battle over political warfare, but the other side is not going to allow that to happen because they are invested in power and control and they can't stand the fact that you are out there and do not agree with them and you will either be made to assent you will be silenced or you will be punished. That is their agenda. And that's, that's a sad state of affairs for, for everybody involved. Um, I am, I'm trying to put things in perspective. Um, you know, I woke up Wednesday. I didn't even look at the results in Georgia because I had other things going on in my life. Well, I was the same. And I, I expected that I, this, that didn't surprise me at all. It didn't surprise. Were you, were you surprised? I wasn't surprised. Uh, I was disappointed, but I wasn't surprised. And you you alluded to why in the beginning. I, uh, I there are things going on in my personal life right now that put perspective on what's going on politically. Now, I got to have conversations with my daughter about what happened because she hears about it at school. I got to have conversations with my daughter about much more difficult issues, as I said, personal things going on that, you know, at the end of the day, I don't care about Joe Biden or Kamala Harris. Live, what's the live and let live? That's the whole philosophy I, I'm trying to, to impart on her. I'm not trying to have her put her beliefs on anybody else. Share them if you feel comfortable, but not 
because you're trying to convert somebody into something, let them know this is what I believe. Um, but I'm, I'm increasingly, you bring a point up. I'm increasingly fearful at my job that someone's going to say, well, you disagree with me and I'm ultra woke and you're not. And that's a problem because you don't agree with me. Now it's not my coworkers, but it is my company. And I get concerned by that. But again, I'm trying to keep my life in perspective to what's actually happening, what truly actually matters in our lives. And I got to tell you, it's not politics. I mean, I, I enjoy the show. I, I enjoy talking about it with you, but I don't, I don't get up every day and go, boy, I, I can't wait to talk about politics today. I can't wait to get upset or angry or just, disturbed by something I see or hear in, in the political sphere, or somebody's trying to push across another something um, towards their goal of, of remaking the, the entire country or the entire world. So when I talk to my daughter, sometimes it comes out and I wish it didn't, but it also comes down to we're dealing with human beings. And at the end of the day, I, I don't want to get into this. And we'll, we, we sometimes give the impression that, you know, I talk about progressives as this mass group, but they're people. I disagree with them philosophically on what they do, but they're still people. And I'm trying to remember that as we're dealing with other things in our life, that these are individuals and they have problems and issues and joys and fears, just like everybody else. And I don't think we always talk about it that way. Um, John Fia, notwithstanding, I don't, I don't talk with him personally, but I just see his, his posts and his posts disturb me um, as they should disturb other people who truly are trying to get along with their neighbors. And I'm sure I'm sure our show, if he would listen to it, which, of course, he doesn't, uh, would would disturb him. Um, so it, it sure. might. It, it, oh, it, and, oh, it would. And, it, and that's fine. And, and I don't I don't have a problem if somebody's uncomfortable with my difference of opinion with them. I, I don't enjoy the anger. And I got angry here earlier because I am angry. I, I, I don't want to have somebody out there who's making a list. That's very, that's very Stalinist Russia or uh, North Korea or China or all the totalitarian places you can think of. That's what they do. They make lists. And if you're on the wrong list, thing, bad things happen to you. If you're on the good list, it's only a matter of time until you're on the bad list because you've done something to anger somebody somewhere. I don't want that. I don't want, we talk about privacy. You talk about Facebook and Google, Facebook and Google are, and Twitter are banning people. Now, does Donald Trump deserve to be banned? I don't know if he does or he doesn't. These are private organizations and they have the right to accept or unaccept whoever they want. If you say that they're, you know, free speech is now no longer free. Well, I don't know if it was ever free. It was still up to their determination whether or not that was going to happen. But it, it's a disturbing trend, in my opinion, to think that we've got organizations who can decide that it's okay for Donald Trump to be not on our platform, but it's okay for the Ayatollah Khomeini to be on our platform. <laughs> well, clearly, clearly Trump is, is several orders of magnitude worse than the Ayatollah Khomeini, so that makes perfect sense to me. And he may or may not. I'm not trying to judge who is or isn't, but it. it, it oh, but they are. Well, then they, they are. are. That's the point. 
And I think that's the part that I'm I'm a little disturbed by that it's okay for the Ayatollah Khomeini to abdicate, you know, advocate the complete destruction of Israel. And he's just one example. There's many, 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 many examples of what's going on there and say we don't we don't tolerate violence as they're tolerating violence, yet we're going to ban Donald Trump. Now, here's what I think is going to happen. I think they're trying to preemptively say to the Democrats in Congress, hey, 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 please don't regulate us. Please don't regulate us. We're good. We'll play good. We'll play nice, which they don't understand because they are not historically motivated. They don't understand you can't satisfy the mob. Oh, see, I okay. I I slightly disagree with your take on that. So what I think is going on is Jack Dorsey, as I call him, Stoner Saruman. Have you ever seen him? He has this incredible, incredible beard. So he's the he's the billionaire head of uh, Twitter and 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 Zuckerberg and the rest of them. They understood that as long as Donald Trump was in office and as long as there was a Republican Senate, they were at risk of being investigated, potentially broken up. Um, and, and they should have been in the sense that, remember, they portray themselves as mere conduits of information. They're just a platform which 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 eliminates their potential liability in many ways under federal law. And they're no longer acting in that way. They're acting as editors because they are making content decisions. And those are biased decisions where they're essentially punishing conservative views and and enabling and allowing free reign of progressive views. So. Uh, what they're doing now is they recognize the threat to us is now gone. So they're not trying to curry favor. They, they're in lockstep. They're part of a hive mind with the Democrats. And what they're really doing now is they're saying, while we have the opportunity, we're eliminating these people in terms of their ability to communicate ideas that we do not tolerate. Now, here's interesting as well. And you make a point. They're private companies. They can ban people. They're going beyond that now. I don't know if you read this. Not only are they banning people from their platforms, so one of the alternative platforms for Twitter is Parler. Apple is now attempting to essentially prevent Parler, Apple and Google, from even existing. I think they, I think Apple now prohibits the Parler app on Google did it yesterday and Apple gave them a day to change their policy. Right. So just understand this is now beyond just we're not going to let you talk on our platform, even though we claim to be neutral content providers. That's bad enough. We're going to try to prevent you from existing in the ecosphere of social media, of the internet. We're going to try to prevent you from communicating your views on any platform. We're just not going to allow that to exist. I would challenge anybody, like our friend or anyone else who claims to be a classical liberal, because progressives don't care about free speech. They actually want to squelch speech they don't like. But there's many people who say, I'm a liberal. I'm in favor of a free marketplace of ideas. If that behavior does not disturb you in the slightest, that you have these Leviathan corporations who have monopolistic power over the main means of communication who are basically saying we've decided that 50% of the country's viewpoints just should not be allowed anymore. If that doesn't bother you at all, well, then you're, you're not a liberal. You're somebody who is a mini totalitarian, who is a leftist, who, who has no compunction about muzzling speech 
that you don't like. And that's exactly what's going on. So they're not, I don't think they're trying in any way to sort of appease the Democrats. They're all on the same team. And this is their window of opportunity to really sweep away their opposition in sort of the, the public square. That's what's going on. Well, and I think you're right. And the fact that they're trying to remove any opportunity for you to communicate. And I thought the, the rationale for why was because people were coordinating riots. I'm not sure if, if um, Jack Dorsey's aware of this, but uh, Twitter has been used for that for a long time. Um, but those were the good riots. Remember, good. we're now talking about just the bad riot. So I, I hear everything you're saying. I think Elizabeth Warren's comments notwithstanding, I don't think the, the Democrats in Congress are, I, I think they have, they have a point of view. We want to, you either come to heal and be a party organ, meaning you put out what we want and you, you ban what we don't want, or we will break you up. So that threat's still there. So I think that Facebook and Google and Amazon and Twitter are all trying to say, hey, See, we can play with you. We can play well with you. Yeah, but they were already predisposed they to were. do all of that. Don't disagree. They with don't. Need, they don't need any whip hand to tell them. You know, you really need to accelerate your efforts to silence conservatives. That's exactly what they have wanted to do. Exactly. But I would point out that Mark Zuckerberg was willing to take money from the Trump campaign for ads. Well, he's no dummy. So he's how do you think I got so rich? So he's well. He still won't, He may disagree with him politically, but he's still going to take his money because it spends just like everybody else's. And I think that's the conundrum they find themselves in. They want the money. And here's here's the great thing, in my opinion, right now. And I'm looking for the silver lining. There's all this. So Congress is not going to be controlled by the Democrats completely, um, with the exception of maybe Joe Manchin has a spine for half an hour once a day. There is going to be. Nothing you can complain that the GOP had anything to do with, right? Now you complain about this. Well, that that yeah. that's correct. That depends on whether or not the legislative filibuster remains in place, which is going to hinge on Joe Manchin. Meaning, if it does remain in place, they're not going to get enough Republican senators on board for their for their most far out, you know, Green New Deal and ban the guns and we're going to criminalize pronoun usage, whatever else. And so what then then it will be it's, you know, it's obstruction. They're obstructing the moral arc of history. Once again, it's so terrible. But if the filibuster is gone and I think there is a more than 50 percent chance that it will be because they recognize it's got to be gone to get done what they want to get done, then you're right then this is all completely in their lap. They, they, they have unfettered power, essentially. Yeah. Now, that's bad for us as a country because there's a lot they can do in that period of time. But here's what I want, want to point out to the social media out there. I got news for you. Donald Trump made you much more money than not having Donald Trump makes you. Now, I think Donald Trump should shut up years ago. I think he should never been using any of these platforms to do anything he's done. And I think if you've banned him, that's only a good thing because he shouldn't be talking, shooting his mouth off. But to our friend, John Fia, what are you going to write about for the next four years? Cause it's not going to be the GOP. That's called. Well, we're, there's plenty of people on the lists that need to be oh, tracked down. True. true. I mean, I'm sure you'll, that'll keep you busy for a while. You write a book about all the lists of people you've tracked. Do you renounce Satan, <laughs> orange Satan, 
Just tell us you're a witch and it will all be better. Yes, we'll still kill you, but at least you'll have admitted it and we can, we can be good there. I, I just think it, be careful what you wish for. I'm not saying they wanted Trump to stick around, but they kind of did. I mean, the, the news media, now you oh, got the golden goose for that, Chad. That's what I'm saying. You don't, I mean, you're going to, you're going to go be knocking on the door at Trump Tower trying to find this guy to give you a sound bite so you can play it on Chris Hayes' show or, you know, uh, Chris Cuomo or you know, Don Lemon. Uh, any of these people, they're, they're going to be looking for something to talk about every night because guess what? You're going to have Joe Biden. Who's going to screw up, but you can't report it because it doesn't. Well, here's here's what they're going to be talking about. OK. Guaranteed. And this was already the playbook, but it kind of got silenced because of covid and, of course, just Trump dominating everything. Their narrative has always been you know, the greatest threat this country faces is the terrible domestic terror threat of angry white racist militiamen and their camo and their duck dynasty beards and their rpgs and so they're going to use this event at the capitol to gin that back up as the basis for the justification for all of these very draconian measures that we must we must finally do this we've got to ban uh you know the coloring book pictures of guns and the actual guns and the children that chew pop tarts into the shape of guns, all the guns must go. Even though ironically, none of the people that were running around in Viking helmets at the Capitol actually had any guns, but that doesn't matter. Oh, also we didn't talk about the fact that, um, and this is a tragedy, uh, the woman that was shot and killed by the Capitol police. And I think you and I both agree because we've been consistent about this on any of these police shootings. I never uh, leap to conclusions about what actually may have happened or not happened, whether it was justified, because you never have enough facts in the moment. I will say this. My initial reaction, I'm certainly open to whatever other facts come out. This woman was unarmed. She's basically climbing in through a window. She was shot through the neck and killed. She was unarmed. I'm thinking, number one, I don't know what could possibly have justified the use of deadly force there. And moreover, isn't it fascinating if that had been an African-American woman, this would again, Al Sharpton would have set up a, a 30 foot high podium on the Washington mall. And there would be, although the cognitive dissonance, it's this intersectionality, right? So it's like, it was a woman that was shot. Yay. That's good for, Oh, but wait, it's a white. Well, that's not so good. Oh, but, uh, she's also, if she was African-American, that would be good. We could, pro but she's a Donald Trump supporter. Maybe that's not good. The point is, have you heard really much more of it? They're, they're, the outrage, right? We heard about Breonna Taylor, yeah. that whole tragedy. You haven't heard anything about this lady. Basically. I mean, it's been reported that she was killed, but in terms of the incendiary level of, we need to riot again, because remember the defund the police people have killed another innocent American. Why? Because they don't they don't really care. It's just not within that pigeonhole of a narrative. But my point is, over the next three months, you are going to hear all about the terrible threat of the alt-right once again and the the rabid, rampant Trump supporters that almost took down the government. That's what you're going to hear, and that is going to be used as the rationale for all manner of mischief. You just wait. Yeah. I I think I want to point out, and this wasn't hasn't been really talked about, 
Um, the D.C. mayor did not want extra police protection. The Capitol Police did not have extra police protection in the Capitol at the time. Now, remember, this rally had been going on since at least Wednesday, and the storming of the Capitol took place on Thursday. So there was time to bring in more people. Now, they said Donald Trump should have called in the National Guard. Um, I'm not sure if you know how National Guard works, but it's the governor of a state calls in the National Guard, not the president. So he could call in the military, but he couldn't call in the National Guard. You know, Ann Coulter actually had a funny, uh, funny tweet about the calling in the military, because remember we talked about, remember when Tom Cotton wrote this um, heinous yeah. editorial in the New York Times about how to quell the ongoing rioting that he he said the president should consider calling in the military. And of course, that was the dark night of fascism. And then all of the New York Times news people had seizures on the floor. Then they had to fire their editorial chief, whatever, because that was just ghastly. And then they recanted. Her tweet was basically, oh, the New York Times withdraws uh, its its uh, opposition to the Tom Cotton editorial. We we want we want the military now yeah. for those those MAGA hordes. That's what we need them for. It's so. I don't know if you saw this. I did watch the storming of the Capitol. It was a first person carrying around a camera, video camera, recording everything. I saw this woman shot. I saw her trying to crawl through the window. She had broken out the window, and some other people had broken out windows on the second floor of the Capitol. And you heard a shot, and you saw her fall. She fell back completely. They were trying to give her help, but they couldn't. And I'm like, what did I just see? I just saw this woman die. Yeah. That, that's it's not i mean it's surreal in a, in a way but it's like that this woman just died and i'm th- the first my first thought was why'd they shoot her i didn't understand because yes she broke down a window and she i, I heard now it was loud there was a lot of chaos and there were police right around her capital police right near her i heard no one say stop or i'll shoot i heard no warning whatsoever and that doesn't mean it wasn't given because it, it could have been given from a distance i have no idea but on this this audio and this video, there was no mention of stop or we'll shoot. Please, you know, you know not- yeah, it's interesting. I was actually watching the Colts game w- with a friend um, who is in law enforcement at a pretty high level. And we were just talking about uh, the, the circumstances of the shooting. And his comment was, as somebody who's very familiar with those kind of situations, that it had to be an accidental discharge. Like, yeah. like he couldn't imagine in the moment what other even not knowing sort of the rules of engagement or whatever but what could have prompted that level of a response given what we see there just well it kind of unimaginable it almost looked like there was a desk or a cabinet next to the window that she was trying to break in and you couldn't see any people on the other side of the glass so they had to be some distance away so were you imminently threatened i don't know maybe that was the lockbox I don't, <laughs> it could be, I don't know. Uh, but even the police that were near them didn't have batons out. They weren't beating people. They, they, they seemed, they seemed like they were trying to get control of a group of teenagers in a, in a fight in high school, but there was no, too few of them to make any real difference in the group of people that were attacking. The yeah, it's, I mean, it's a real tragedy. It really is. I mean, I can't imagine being that woman's family and, um, again, I would say, as I always say on any of these shootings, and I think as most law, most good law enforcement people would say is if that was a bad shooting, that person needs to be criminally punished. And, um, 
you know, whatever, whatever the justice system is going to meet out for that is, is appropriate. So let's hear whatever version of event or of facts that allegedly justified that I'm, I'm open to hearing it, but right now I can't imagine what that would be. Um, I, I do want to say one other thing, and I, I, I'm glad that you mentioned sort of your, how disheartened you are, but also the fact that, yes, it's always imperative for us to keep in mind, no matter how um, intense and sometimes, uh, unfortunately, angry sort of political disagreements can become, is that, you know, again, as Christians, and of course, there's people maybe that listen to this that aren't Christians, uh, but we are to be salt and light. Right. At all times. And of course, we do that very imperfectly. Um, I mean, my wife would say, honestly, like, well, you know, you've been you were very, very sarcastic on that show. And you, I don't really like how you talk about things. And, and that's fair enough. I'm not always going to be perfect in the words that I use and perhaps, the, you know, the tone that I take on things. Um, here's the I think the very difficult straddle for for a Christian on either side of this. OK, is. On the one hand, yes, we we cannot be out there sort of fomenting animosity and and bomb throwing and personally attacking people. Now, look, we we will and I'll continue to do this. Uh, we express disagreement with people on on ideas, uh, on theology. And I think that's entirely appropriate. And those individuals would express, I think, similar disagreement with us. We're not to be muzzled. Um, it matters how you do it, but here's the tricky part. Um, my wife was telling me and made the comment, and I agree with this in general, that look, you know, we really shouldn't find ourselves always in the middle of sort of these kind of yelling matches, right, back and forth. They're not even yelling, just constantly sort of at each other, and I agree with that. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, I don't think we're called to sit silently when we believe what is true and what is right. Um, is not being elevated and is fact being destroyed. And I think the the, the people that pr propose a, a different view, like Dr. Fia and others, that's exactly their same belief. In fact, he has spent the last four years as a Christian, as a committed Christian, saying it is my job to denounce what I believe to be the incredibly destructive and wicked and lying and damaging presidency of a man that I detest, who I think is bad for America. And fair enough. You and I have expressed our disagreement on multiple levels with his view. So at the same time, I don't know whether you and I as Christians can simply sit back and say, you know what, rather than even confront, let's say, the radical LGBT trans agenda that is now sweeping through our schools in our culture, rather than addressing the Democrats' commitment to unrestricted abortion, including essentially post-birth, you can go on and on. All of these things that we believe, based on our faith and our theological commitments, are wrong. I don't think you could take the position, at least I don't, for myself, that it's just better to be complacent and silent and allow that to happen. We can't make politics our God, and the minute you become an idolater of anything like that, that's a problem. If you if you find yourself, and I try to check myself, thinking constantly in political terms first as a Christian and judging people in political terms first, well, that's wrong. You shouldn't be thinking about them that way. Nevertheless, we are here on earth 
Uh, we are called to be salt and light. We're called to act. And part of that, I believe, is expressing what we believe to be truth and righteousness and justice as as we believe that is scripturally based um, in the things that we see. And so it's hard when you have others on the other side who are essentially telling you, well, first of all, and, and by the way, the Christian church should be expected to be persecuted. We've talked about this. If, if you read the New Testament, if you know anything about Jesus' ministry, um, if you believe that you're entitled as a Christian to kind of just a, a, a path of roses through life and anytime anyone, no, no, we're supposed to expect people are not going to like us. They're going to hate us. They hated him. So that's not what I'm talking about. What I am saying is that turning the other cheek the idea that we don't return venom for venom does not mean that we're supposed to be supine. Okay. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that we're, we're just to be a doormat and allow whatever ideology is currently trendy to, to dominate our culture in a way that's actually bad and harmful. I mean, do, does that resonate with you? Oh, it does. It completely does. And I, I don't want people to walk away from this episode saying that I, that they think I'm coming back as a, a supine or that there's no, no I wasn't suggesting that you were. I'm just for, for our listeners, because it, it, it might've come across that way. I believe uh, there are positives out of this. I, I believe that, you know, the Lord gives us things to make us stronger in our lives. Uh, they're not always things that we would wish for, but they do make us stronger and more appreciative of um, his direction in our lives. And, and I think he uses those challenges um, to remind us, you need me. You need me in all things you do. And and I should be the center of your universe and not politics or sports or cars or whatever it is. Um, and I think that's a, that's a good thing. So I think there can be good things out of what I politically perceive as not awesome. And I think to your point about where we should have our focus and, and stand up, we should not be I talked about the the different directions to get to a location. To me, that's like taxation or that's things like that. But abortion. Yeah. I, I, I believe that we are called to be vocal about our, our desire for that to be not the, the law of the land and not to be go, going on rampantly. Um, you know, when we're talking about moral issues like that, yeah, I think we have to stand up and say, Yes, I, I would love for the world to just wash over around me, but that's not how I'm built, and I don't believe that's how God made me to be um, a doormat for people to walk over and get whatever they wanted and, and not stand up and say, no, this is wrong, because it is wrong, and here's why it's wrong, and here's why you should not be doing this for whatever reason. I, I believe that right is right and wrong is wrong. I watched a little video on Glenn Beck the other day about, about the riot, and, and that, it kind of resonated with me a little bit. I don't always agree with Glenn Beck, but Right is right and wrong is wrong. It's not right today and wrong tomorrow. And I'm not talking about individual statutes. I'm talking about what is right is right. And what is wrong is wrong. And you can't make one equal to the other simply because you say it enough times or you tell me, you know, you're just looking at it the wrong way. I'm, I am open to listening to other ideas. It doesn't mean I'm going to take your opinion because you share it. But I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to debate the ideas. And I think that's truly what our democracy, which we are actually a democracy, should be about. And I think that's where people get lost. They think I have to scream at you and I have to c- 
cajole you into doing what I think you should do instead of defending what I believe to be right for this country or for, for this city or for wherever you're at or this church. There are differences of opinion in every church. I don't care what size it is. There are differences of opinion between the, con- the congregation, and I don't think that's a bad thing. It gets bad when you have people lashing out at the others because they don't believe what I believe or they believe differently. I, I, I struggle with that because I, I want us to all say, hey, we're sitting here in this congregation because we all believe in the body of Christ. We believe in what the teaching of the Bible, and we're sitting here because we want to be here and, and share in that. But sometimes I think it gets political even in our churches, and it shouldn't. It shouldn't be about that. It shouldn't be about the Green New Deal in our church. That's not what I go to church for. That's not what you go to church for. And it shouldn't be a discussion in the church unless it's somehow, you know, and it gets a long reach to get well, into it. I am still holding out for that. I, I would like uh, to hear from the pulpit that all condiments are of the devil. <laughs> No, that I will make the exception for that. I, for some reason, our senior pastor has refused to deliver that message. It's very, it's very disheartening to me. But I, I will, I will hold out uh, for that to to go out to all uh, within and within our extended community because it's just going to make life a lot better. Uh, in America. Hey, by the way, one quick thing. Yeah. Um, I have a I have a good friend who I work with. Uh, who is not a Christian. So I'm sure he he actually uh, found out that we had a podcast, was very intrigued by this. He's a lawyer, very smart guy. Uh, he's he's a Florida criminal, so that's inherently suspect already. Uh, but he he was he was very open uh, to potentially coming on uh, or at least calling in uh, to be sort of a guest. Uh, he, he has many, uh, he and I are very similar that he actually has very strong opinions, as do I. Many of his opinions are in agreement. Uh, I told him that one of the things that my wife always tells me that annoys her is our introduction where you say that two friends agree to disagree. And she says, you never disagree. You guys agree about everything. And so my, my friend at work, um, I think would probably disagree certainly on what we've talked about here about Christianity. And I think it's good, uh, to have someone from that perspective. So I may, um, if you're up for it, maybe we'll work out a way logistically for him to, uh, perhaps chat about through some things on a call in because uh, it, could, it could be quite uh, entertaining. I would be open to that. And I think that that's what I've always envisioned for these discussions with, whether it's you and I, but it's more about what can we talk about? And I don't, I don't expect to solve the problems of the world, but I, I expect to be able to go to my family and say, okay, after having this discussion, it made me think, it made me yeah. think about what I'm thinking and maybe it's, needs to be altered or maybe it doesn't maybe i'm right on the money because we agree having somebody challenge that that's great i'm i'm open to that and i think our listeners would be now, as well. i did have to vet him on one thing because otherwise he would not be permitted to come on the show which is that yeah. he does agree even though he's younger uh than we are that jordan is better than lebron if he was not able to take that oath uh, he he simply he simply could not be on the program because I I I I can't tolerate uh, that is the one viewpoint I, I'm more than happy to argue it but at some point it's kind of like Fredo in the rowboat like you you're you're dead to me so that that he is he's vetted uh, he's solid on that I don't know how he feels about Mike Tomlin I think he likes Tomlin so you might have something to disagree with him on that but maybe we'll uh maybe we'll incorporate him as a good. Uh, 
sounding board and independent uh, voice on some of our topics. The problem is I never know what the topics are going to be, so I can't really give them a heads up. We might just have to throw yeah. them into the lion's den. Because as our listeners may or may not know, I may set the agenda, but if Tony comes with something, I am more than willing to change the agenda to accommodate Tony's uh, thought. So if you have something and you want to share it, and that's fine. I, I can go with whatever. Yes, and as always, since this was a little bit of a rollicking uh, show in terms of our opinions, I, I really do enjoy uh, talking to people that don't agree with us, sure. um, even though, again, my wife would say, well, that's just because you want to win the argument and then be correct. Like, <laughs> well, well, not necessarily. Um, I'm probably not going to change my mind, but it is always good. It is always good to have, uh, as I would say, a frank and open exchange of competing ideas. So anybody... Uh, who perhaps was apoplectic at some of the things that we said today, uh, think we're off the rails, please, please chime in. Uh, we will not personally attack you, uh, and we'll, uh, we'll figure out a way to perhaps discuss some, some differing opinions. Well, I think, I think that's a very good way to put that. I, I would love to share my opinion. You share yours. And if we had a third person who'd like to share theirs, or if you want to call in, I mean, I think that's another way that I feel we've, we've gotten, we've gotten some feedback, but I, I encourage more feedback. If there is something you think Chad and Tony are off their rocker, Chad, you're crazy. Cause Jim Harbaugh is awesome. And, and you should want him on your show and some such craziness. Then by all means, please, please let us know that at 717-739-5432. Uh, we do have a Twitter handle. At we do? Chad, I didn't even know that. At Chad and Tony Talk. Uh, it's there. It's available. You can so go. We're, we're helping to monetize Jack Dorsey. huh? I'm very disturbed by that. I, I would say that we're on Twitter. <laughs> I wouldn't say that we're monetizing, helping to monetize him in many ways. But if you feel the need to, to get out there, send us anything. I, I, I will say this. If it's not clean, I will not put it on. Um, if you're going to call us up and F-bomb me, then you will not get on. Don't bother. Uh, but if you have a, an intelligent thought that you'd like to share, and it can certainly be different than ours, it can be an agreement, but it can be different than ours. If you're a Penn State fan and you'd like to talk about how happy you are that uh, Jim Harbaugh is going to be there for another five years, great. Let me hear it because I'm sure I won't hear it enough. How about just swapping Harbaugh and James Franklin for the next five years? That would be an interesting experiment, right? Nice experiment. I'm not really interested in Franklin either, so... Oh, by the way, um, Chad said yes. You're not going to get uh, you're not going to get on if you're uh, profane. However, um, be as sarcastic as you would like. That yeah. is a a particular genre that I enjoy. So, yeah, brutal scathing sarcasm is always welcome. Yeah, and I will tell you this: if if you're clean, and whether it's sarcastic or not, and it's and it's uh, a slam on Tony, I will always play that. Well, I, and I will not. I will not. I will welcome that. <laughs> and and just so you know. I am the one that gets the, the audio clips, so Tony won't know about them till they're actually played. Uh, but if you have something you'd like to share, I am open to that. Uh, I don't want you, you to sound a little bit too eager for that, Chad, but that's that's OK. Yeah, OK, I, I, I enjoy a, a little uh, ribbing with, with friends. I don't want you to walk away with this thinking there's no, no upside. There is an upside. We we have lots to look forward to. But uh, right now, you know, some things this week. I don't think it's the constitutional crisis it's being made out to be in in the country. Uh, you know, I think Donald Trump gave the left everything they wanted to have as as the framing of the end of his presidency. 
so I wish that had not happened, but uh, I think the, the Republic will survive and I think we'll be fine on January 20th. We're going to have a new president and vice president. And- one, one final thought before we go, this is totally random, but did you know, did you know that Olive Garden had a lifetime pasta mm-hmm. card that you could buy? I did. How did you know this? Well, they sold it for a little bit. It comes out $500. Yep. I think and then you have a lifetime. And the reason I thought about this is because Anderson, Anderson Cooper was recently mocking uh, oh. the Trump people as go back to your Olive Gardens and your, uh, what was it like uh, hotel six or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but it fascinated me that that was even something that you could do. It's like, what is it like some Amex black card where you show up and you're like, bring me the pasta. It is, and it it only goes on sale every. It's not that often. I think it went on sale. I want to say. I think they don't do it anymore. Well, they they actually went it went on sale in July or August for like a day or whatever they run out they run out. Um, but it you know it's only for you. You can't transfer. You can't give to other people. So if you come in with a party of five, it's just you. Uh, anybody else is gonna have to pay full freight on that. I, I would have wanted somebody like Joey Chestnut. <laughs> buy that and then literally every day go to lunch at olive garden and eat you know six metric tons of pasta yeah uh, look like six metric tons at the end of that <laughs> they still have to come out ahead on that because pasta costs them nothing and the average person is simply not going to be able to go to olive garden enough it would probably take you what three years if you ate there every week to even approach that that amount i think the calculus is if we sell you this, you're probably not coming by yourself. So we're going to get the money from. That's somebody. right. Hey, it's a draw. Get you in. I personally, I'm not a big fan of Olive Garden. I think it's. Uh, Are you a snob? Are you an Italian eatery snob, Chad? Not in the slightest. I, I have found that most of the stuff in an Italian restaurant I can make at home. So. <laughs> That is ridiculous. Are you saying that you could duplicate? I'm not talking about Olive Garden, a a fine dining Italian restaurant. Not that in the slightest. But oh, you're I, talking just about Olive Garden that you can make at home. I, most of what they're they're selling you, I can make it. Home. I can't. You're, you're I, right. You could probably come. You could call. You, I don't think you could make their salad dressing. Their salad dressing is pretty good. It is, but at the end of the day, it's salad dressing, and that's I true. If you make a fine, I'm not saying I'm a, a Michelin five star Michelin uh, chef. You got your chef boy RD. Yeah. You're gonna whip that up. Yeah. On an aside, when I was in high school, I had to do a promotional video for Chef Boy RD for Japanese investors. So I got tours and it had video of a Chef Boy RD plant and everything it was made. And it wasn't what you think. It wasn't that great. It was disgusting. But that's an aside. Wait, you you thought that we expected it to be great. I was in high school. I thought it might be better. You than- thought Chef BRD, Boyardee was going to be the height of hot cuisine? It was not. It was not. Yes, that's shocking. I, I can make a lot of what, uh, when I go to a pasta place, I'm like, I'm buying pasta. I, I can cook pasta and put sauce on it. That's not really worth $15 a person. I, I do, it doesn't work for me. That's true. So, yeah, I, it's not. and if you're making a fine meal, I'm not talking about the, the fancy Italian stuff. I tend to think Italian stuff is something I grew up with in my household. So it wasn't really anything special. You know, I didn't go out and say, Oh, let's go to an Italian place. So I don't tend to go to Olive Garden very often. If I could get a lifetime funnel cake card uh, from, from a funnel cake vendor of my choice, that, that I think would be ideal. That, that would be an ideal. If I could get an, uh, a lifetime uh, hot sausage 
place, I, I would be all over that. Hot sausage or or like would you go for like mild Italian sausage with peppers, onions? Possibly, but I prefer the hot. I like and, and I shouldn't say spice, more from the flavor. Because the hot oh. sauce has more flavor than the the mild, but that's my personal preference. My daughter thinks I only want things hot. I said, I don't want a mouth to burn. I want flavor. And when you bland it down in that generic link, it doesn't Ooh, really the generic link. Well, you don't bland it down. Well, all right. Next week, we'll think about what other lifetime gift cards uh, we would want to various uh, dining establishments. That works for me. We're going to cut this off because we've been talking for an hour and 45 minutes. That's good. Well, no one else has been listening for the last 30 minutes anyway, so it doesn't matter. That's okay. I'm going to say goodbye to nice subwoofer for the night. That's That's been Tony's name tonight. Nice subwoofer. They didn't know he was a baritone, but subwoofer. Well, and they got the extra 30 minutes for free. It's not the usual, not the usual charge, right? It's bonus material. <laughs> bonus. You pay for what you get. That's right. Uh, so I want to thank everybody. Uh, I'm Chad. I'm Tony. Good night. Thanks for listening. This has been a Hannah Tree production.